I think mostly Toronto-based writers were like, no, we know who Nick Bukestad is. We all know this. Hockey in general loves Nick Bukestad. There's shrines dedicated to him. It's weird <laughs> that we don't know this. Welcome to Checking Out the Competition, Arizona Coyotes. We are joined by the site manager of Five for Howling, Carl Pavlock. Carl, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Not bad. Um, yeah, so this is our first look at the Arizona Coyotes this season. And um, right now they are 8-13-4 for 7th in the Central Division. So, you know, Flyers level type of record. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, since we haven't seen you guys in a long time, like like we said before, we started just twice a year, so it's been a while. Um, why don't you kind of run through what happened over the summer? It was a big summer for the Coyotes. I know it. It, it was. Um, so the biggest thing is, of course, uh, there was more arena drama. Uh, the Coyotes are playing at the Arizona State University um, Mullet Arena which is really cool. It's where ASU hockey plays actually just opened up. Uh, the flyers are going to be the second team to use the new uh, locker room annex. That was actually Ooh. built before. Um, it's why the coyotes went on a 14 game road trip. Uh, other than that, uh, they re-signed Lawson Krause brought in a couple of veteran players, uh, Zach Cassian, a uh, couple blue lines really changed, um, but not too many big names moving back and forth with the Coyotes. So I know a lot of people on the outside kind of like shit on this whole arena thing, which has obviously been a problem for the Coyotes for quite a while now. Um and, you know, there are a lot of jokes made about this whole college arena thing. But, like, for me, if if this were the Flyers and I were actually able to get tickets to one of these games, I think it would be, like, the most fun thing ever. So, like, as a Coyotes fan, as someone who supports the team, what are your thoughts on this whole college arena thing? So, I, I know it's not perfect. Um, I, we all know it's not perfect. I think everyone in general is used to things with Arizona not being perfect. Um, but... I am also an ASU alum, so the team playing in my college arena where my college team plays, that that is a fun aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people in Arizona did go to ASU, so I'm sure that's the same for a lot of people. Um, for me personally, the way I look at it is this was always going to be a temporary situation. From the very beginning, we knew it was going to be a temporary situation. And, you know, I've been following the Coyotes for a while. I've been following the league for a while, writing for Five for Howling. Uh, I remember when the Islanders uh, went to the Barclays Center and it was a horrible experience. Everyone mm -hmm. kind of hated it, but there was no kind of idea that that was going to be temporary, at least from the outside. Like everyone thought this is going to be our new permanent home and it sucks. Uh, <laughs> right. It did eventually prove to be temporary. But, like, Coyotes fans are going into this with the knowledge, like, yeah, this is going to be three years, maybe, like, three and a half, four, depending on if there's any kind of delays with the arena. Like, as long as that progresses, like, I, I think everyone's just kind of fine with it. I, that's that's kind of what I figured. It it just seems like making making the best of a bad situation, I guess. And, like, 
it's super easy to say, I've had this conversation with Coyotes fans on Twitter. Like it's super easy to say for someone like me, you know, in Philadelphia with no connection whatsoever to this team to be like, oh, just move them. Like this is stupid. Just move them. But like there really is a dedicated fan base of Arizona Coyotes fans. And, you know, hockey's picking up steam there. You got Tage Thompson is from Arizona, right? Yep. Isn't that right? Yeah, he just scored five goals in a period. So clearly, <laughs> whatever is happening with hockey culture in Arizona, which I'm sure is directly as a result of the existence of the Coyotes, is like a, a pretty cool thing, I think. Yeah, like uh, Austin Matthews wasn't born in Arizona, but there's no way he would have developed into a hockey player if the Coyotes weren't right. there. Right. Yeah, for uh, sure. And like to really understand the difference between the team moving from Glendale to Tempe would require a breakdown of just like city logistics that no one really has time for and no one really cares about. Uh, <laughs> but, it, but it's safe to say that things are very different in the East Valley versus the West Valley. Um, there's different demographics. The, the fans tend to be there. Um, personally, the thing that I really enjoyed is I went to the opener and I was able to take the light rail there as opposed oh, to nice. driving like... 45 minutes to get to Glendale um, in traffic, like just horrible experience. Everyone hated that. I was able to hop on a train. It still took me 45 minutes, but I didn't have to drive. It was, it was very kind of nice. Didn't have to deal with parking. And, you know, the, the new stadium is going to be close enough to a light rail line that that is going to be a thing. Um, people are going to be taking the train to Coyotes games, which is just not something you could say about Glendale. Like that's just a whole new opportunity for for fans to come that's awesome i mean anytime you can open up a public transit option to go to a sporting event it's better for everybody because yeah. you know there are some people that have to drive sure but if mm -hmm. everyone's driving then traffic's a nightmare and parking's a nightmare and everything is bad but you know if you can get you know like a third of the arena on the train that's a pretty good thing yeah and, and let's all be fans. honest uh hockey fans like to drink and it's better if they're not driving. That's a very good point. Very good point. Um, so like we said, the, the Coyotes are, I mean, I guess off to a start that you would have expected for this team, 8-13-4. Um, kind of generally, what has been going well for the Coyotes this year? Uh, it, it really varies. They'll do some things right, and then they'll just stop. Uh, like for a while, they had one of the top power plays in the league uh, for like, I think a good like 10 or 12 games. Uh, and that's completely dried up. Um, the thing that kind of is, is best to me is the players that they want to be performing well are doing well. Clayton Keller looks to be doing good. Uh, Nick Schmaltz and Jacob Chikrin look fine returning from injuries. Um, some of the pickups that they got, like Nick Bugstead has been surprisingly efficient. Lawson Krauss already has 12 goals, which is just phenomenal for him. Uh, and the player that I think is not getting nearly enough love, uh, rookie Matias Michelli, two goals, 17 assists, 19 points in 23 games, which is really impressive for a guy who, who you know, looks like what played 23 games last year, had hmm. six, 23 games this year, 19. Wow, that's that's a pretty impressive spike in production for sure. Um, just looking at the numbers, it looks like Vizmelka is having a good season. He's got a nine thirteen. That's pretty good. Yeah. 
he he can steal games. It's it's kind of ridiculous to watch. The Coyotes picked him up uh, before last season in the Czech second league, um, and he has just been phenomenal. Uh, one of the things that like was re- a real high spot last season was he had like three forty plus save games, uh, including like a forty five save shutout. Like wow. He he's not necessarily like good for a full season. I, I do worry about him not having uh, a solid backup like he had last season with Scott Wedgwood, because you know he gets in his head sometimes. But just he's looked really good. Uh, just a really good find. Yeah, I don't think I've uh, I don't think I've heard of your backup, Connor Ingram. Uh, he had some good buzz with the nashville predators uh oh, I see now. he's still he still got their jersey on on your yeah. own <laughs> the guy <laughs> love when they do that he he was a he was a waiver pickup uh all the predators fans were very upset that hmm. he uh that he was claimed definitely kind of like one of those like players to watch in their system that they just didn't have room for if you could identify the weakest part of the coyotes game right now what would that be they take too many penalties. Um, ah, just ridiculous calls, um, and you see it pretty much after every goal. There'll be a resulting penalty in the next couple of minutes. Uh, I can't even count how many times they've taken three penalties in the first ten minutes of a game. They have done so many too many too many men on the ice calls, just in general. Uh, hmm. I, I need to look up how many. Uh, I think it's like seven or eight at this point. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's some real uh, last year's Flyers behavior. Just like not doing <laughs> basic hockey things correctly. Um, who's the coach of this team? I can't remember. Uh, Andre Torini. Who is that man? Uh, he was a pretty well-respected juniors coach. Oh, okay. Um, Coyotes went with a, a, you know, they're starting a rebuild. They went with a coach who was used to younger players, which I think is a, is a good move. Uh, he is definitely one of the more interesting ones. I've never seen a coach run so many 11 forward, seven defenseman games. Hmm. Interesting. I, I only ask because... Like when it was the end of Elaine Vigneault's tenure in Philly, that's when things really started to go bad. And I always kind of think of the too many men penalties, like the the sloppy line change, kind of just like basic things that teams don't do correctly. Like when that's happening, it's generally like a coaching problem, but it sounds like that's not the case here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's one of those things where like looking at the Coyotes the way I do, and thinking about them like five years in the future or four years in the future, you're like, is that going to be a consistent coaching problem? Is that something like we're seeing the early signs of, or mm-hmm. is it just like a weird fluke thing? Cause the team is bad. Uh, yeah. and I'm going to be honest. I go back and forth on that <laughs> but right now. It's like, eh, give, give the coach a, a little bit of credit. Um, yeah. It's got time to prove that it's a, a problem. So this question is, in a roundabout way, a little bit about the Flyers, but um, I want to talk a little bit about our old pal Shane Gossespierre, sure. um, who this season in 25 games has six goals, 14 assists for 20 points, which is second on the team in points. Um, there's been several articles written 
recently about his kind of like resurgence, him finding his game again in Arizona. Um, what is it about the way that Shane Gosses Bear is allowed to play in Arizona that you think is contributing to him being able to, I guess, thrive like this? I I, I never really paid too much attention with to Gosses Bear when he was in Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, so I I don't know what kind of the situation was then. I know last season he was typically not the player who was expected to do the most um uh, mm-hmm. that was supposed to be jacob chikrin although injuries definitely changed that um so he got to get like a lot of you know good quality time as the second pairing guy which i, I think is just where players like goss despair thrive yeah um this season he I, I, he's getting time with Jacob Chikrin and Jacob Chikrin wants to be traded. So he is playing <laughs> some of his best hockey. So a lot of it is just like gossip spare being around Chikrin. And it's just okay. like, Oh, that's a great pairing. I love that. They work together. Is ghost running the power play for you guys? Uh, I think he may be second unit. Second he, unit. he was when Chikrin was out. Now that he's back, I'm not sure. Uh, I cannot remember. Okay. The, the power play is not good. I try not to think too much about the Coyotes. Power play. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, why would you have paid attention to Shane Goss's bear in Philadelphia? But um, here the vibe was kind of that he was never really fully allowed to embrace the offensive side of his game, which I think is the strongest part of his game. Um so, I mean, it just kind of seems like just based on the numbers and how well he's been playing that your coach is giving him a little bit more of an opportunity to do what he's good at rather than trying to, you know, hamstring him into being a more defensive defenseman. Yeah, because let's be real. We could all look at, at Shane Goss's player play, and I love watching him play, but yeah. I'm, like, I'm never like, he's a good, solid defensive defenseman. No. Uh, like, even now, when I think he's doing good, it's like, ah. Uh, not the best on the, you know, defending, but no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're looking for defense, he's not your guy. <laughs> yeah, if there's a two-on-one coming the other way. I, I don't necessarily want Gosses Bear to be the one person taking that, but you know, still, he he adds to the game in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's nice to see him doing well because he had a lot of fans in Philly, and the way that he went here was kind of sucky. So it's, it's always good when someone can find their game someplace else um, i do remember just like the vibe being that he was starting a comeback that last year in philadelphia so he he did kind of start to towards the end of that season before he was traded um start to come around so after vino was fired and yo was in his interim um it seemed like they kind of took the shackles off a little bit and his game was starting to get a little bit better um, but yeah, like the whole way that thing went down, like having to like attach a pick to him to get him traded and it was just bad GMing cause we have a bad GM. So everyone's just still very salty about it. <laughs> I mean, it, it is definitely something that Bill Armstrong has done a lot. Uh, I think last season he got a pick for taking Anton Strollman and Strollman went on to just have a, a good season. You're like, oh. You didn't need to add a sweetener to that, but if the guys can get it, I'll take it. 
I mean, to be quite honest, the way it went down is Armstrong probably, you know, said, sure, we'll take him, but you have to give us a second. And rather than, you know, trying to negotiate or perhaps counter offering in some way, Chuck was just like, okay, that's the vibe with a lot of his trades. I feel that whatever the other GM offers or asks for, that's what Chuck goes with. (laughs) And, And Bill Armstrong loves his second round picks. I think he had five at one point for the last draft. Good for him, because we have none. Um, you mentioned Matias Michelli as someone who's been playing very well. I see he's third on the team in points. Um, are there any other players that we might not know about that we should keep an eye on in this game? Uh, in this game? See, like, who's playing well that's, like, not Jacob Chickering? Because, like, we know about those guys. We know, you know, Clayton Keller. We know Kraus. We know... I don't know, Nick Ritchie, like he's a name people know. Is there somebody kind of further down the lineup that we might not know about because we don't watch the Coyotes a lot that might be good to keep an eye on? Um, there, There's a, a couple players who I think potentially are going to be interesting in the future. Uh, watching Jack McBain's physical presence is, is always kind of a joy. Um, Christian Fisher is having one of his best seasons in a long time um, in a way where doesn't necessarily get too much of attention. I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't see Fisher as a you know perpetual twenty goal player, given how he's been in the past. Um, but you know he's a player I, I always like to keep an eye on. Uh, a while back, I was roasted for saying that no one knew who Nick Bugstad was, um, and people were like, "No, he's a he was a widely touted prospect. We all know Nick Bugstad." Um, but no one ever talks about him. Uh, <laughs> no. <he's so> <laughs> And he's having a really good season, really good five-on-five play, like just surprisingly good. That's one of those names where like, now that you've said it to me, I'm like, yeah, I think I've heard that before. But literally would he ever, like he would never enter my train of thought just out of nowhere. Like he's not, he's definitely not one of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. That that was my thought process too. But apparently like enough people, like. I think mostly Toronto-based writers were like, no, we know who Nick Bukestad is. We all know that. Hockey in general loves Nick Bukestad. There's shrines dedicated to him. It's weird (laughs) that we don't know that. Well, Toronto people know everyone. They're the greatest fans in the history of the world. Yeah, they they just buy all of the prospect ratings. They just keep, Mm -hmm. you know, very careful records all in their head. They don't write anything down. It's insane. (laughs) Naturally. If only I had that kind of time. Um, you mentioned that the power play is pretty bad. Um, how's the penalty kill look? Uh, also bad. Outstanding. Love that for <laughs> you guys. It's about, I mean, you know, just to to warn you, it's about the same for us. So um, this is going to be one of those very interesting games. Um, and actually, the the last thing I'm going to ask you is for a score prediction. But for me, this is one of those games that it's two like pretty bad teams on paper and on the ice. And so it's either going to be like eight to six or one to nothing. Like yeah. it's going to be one of those. Yeah. It, it, What's your guess? Like, uh, I, I will say, I think I predicted that the Bruins would beat the Coyotes seven to one. Uh, and last night the Coyotes won four to three. So that, I got to tell you, I saw that this morning and it like literally filled my entire body with joy. I'm so tired of the Boston Bruins and it's very annoying to me that they're this good this year. So seeing that they lost to Arizona was just like like just like a chef's kiss 
beautiful. It, it was pretty beautiful. I think the Coyotes had not beaten the Boston Bruins for 19 straight games. Wow. Uh, and and they finally got it done uh, in the most ridiculous way possible. I absolutely love that. And is that the last game there that they've played before this Flyers game? Uh, yep, that was uh, yesterday. Oh, okay. So they're going to be coming off that kind of excitement. Yep. So they're going to be amped and ready to go. I'm going to say that the uh, the Flyers lose this one. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for one of like the barn burner bad team games because those are more fun. I'm going to say something ridiculous like five to three Coyotes. Five three. Uh, I'm going to go four two Coyotes with an empty net. I think that's a very respectable prediction. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know. The, the Coyotes are a team that can definitely generate some offense. Um, mm-hmm. But most nights I'm just happy for them to get the third goal. <laughs> that's what Flyers fans are learning to do. Manage expectations. Yeah. If, you're, if you are just, you know, happy with a couple of goals and a well-fought loss, you won't be so miserable. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you will still be miserable but not just not that right precisely yeah that's a you know there's levels <laughs> you can you can resist getting to like the bottom absolute pit of misery if you <laughs> adjust your expectations so you're this just is like, my oh. third rebuild covering the coyotes so I- i'm used to oh, it. god bless i'm praying for a rebuild here so Cross your fingers for us. I um, mean, I thought you guys were Oddwood, uh, but then you oh. acted like you weren't. So I was <laughs> very confused. Know that, but the team seems to be pretending that we're not. I mean, everyone kind of knows that we are. And so the problem is that since the team doesn't want to acknowledge that we are, it's just going to be like a very poorly done rebuild because no one wants to acknowledge that that's what we're doing. Like, you don't, you don't trade your star player who is also your captain when you're not rebuilding like that's that's the first thing you do to signal the rebuild and somehow this has completely escaped the flyers front office so it's going really well i mean the same thing's kind of happening with the vancouver canucks right now yes Uh, so at least you're not the only ones you know that's that's a great point maybe i can find a little bit of solace in the fact that there's another team that's also destroying itself from the inside out uh, I, I cannot believe that <laughs> that that trade where the Coyotes got the pick for Dylan Gunther for mm. Connor Garland and Oliver Ekman Larson is looking ri- more ridiculous every single day. Uh, it's just beautiful to watch. Yeah, I got to say the way that your GM is able to uh, just kind of low key fleece a lot of other GMs just to like take on some cap or whatever. Uh, it makes me think that your rebuild's going to go a lot better than ours. Yeah. The 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 one concern is always going to be can they draft and develop the right talent? Mm. Um last draft they decided to go tall, um which not necessarily the biggest fan of, but Logan Cooley is doing phenomenally well, so uh, it it is definitely, you know, I have hope that 2 years from now is going to be good. These dudes just cannot help themselves when there is a large boy there for them to take. Oh, they yeah. cannot be stopped. Like, I, I don't think any scout predicted that um, Maverick Lemaru would uh, 
go in the first round, but he did. And he's what, like six, eight? Yeah. And uh, you can't teach size. So (laughs) obviously that's a win there. How how are you going to teach someone to be, uh, let me load up his actual height. Six foot seven. Like, oh, that's, that's too big. I don't like that. You can't trust somebody that that, that's that tall. It's unnatural. I mean, I would definitely want a six foot seven defenseman. Uh, I'm just, just not sure he was a first rounder. Yeah. Well, Carl, thank you so much for doing this. Um, this was outstanding. If you would like to, you can tell people where they can find you on the internet. Sure. Uh, best place to get my opinions uh, is on Five for Howling. Um, it's also on Twitter. Word five, number four, word howling. Uh, I'm also the co-host of Locked On Coyotes, so definitely check out that. Oh, nice. And do it every single day. It, it definitely, um, it gets hard covering a rebuilding team and talking about them every day. But we, we definitely do a lot, a lot of game reviews. Um, you know, I think, do we have anything coming up? We, we are, we do have a series uh, where we discuss the growth of hockey and a lot of people involved in local hockey. Um, and I believe we have another of those coming up later this month with a youth okay. coach, which should be really good. Awesome. That's, that's actually sounds really cool. And uh, as someone who only has to talk about the Flyers once a week, I have a lot of respect for you talking about the Coyotes every single day. I think I would just shrivel up and die if I had to talk about the Flyers yeah. every day. There's just uh, only so much you going, can do. Going from a weekly show to a daily show is uh, just just all kinds of fun. Yeah, I bet. Well, if you're listening to this, uh, head on over to Five for Howling. Click around their page a little bit because SB Nation is forcing all of us to care about clicks. So give some clicks to Five for Howling. Learn a little bit about the Arizona Coyotes. Carl, I hope that you enjoy this game. Hope everyone listening enjoys the game. Go Flyers.